0: Log
1: Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real.
2: All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today, and it is back on the second Wednesday of the month. We are back doing Wellness Wednesday because I have someone that know, uh, you know, m- most people know more than me. Well... A lot of people know more than me. Um, But in certain fields, certain people know more than me because they've studied and they know how to break stuff down. We're doing a little update on medical news today, and we are pleased to bring back uh, Dr. Taiwan Tillman, cardiologist, to join us today to help us get an update. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, G. How are you today?
2: I'm doing well, thank you, and I'm grateful and blessed to have you back on the show today to help share uh stuff that's going on in the medical community because i can only regurgitate what i read but you can kind of help us get a better understanding so that we know how to apply it to you know our everyday lives so i'm I'm, I'm so happy that you decided to to uh give us your time and he will be on regularly god willing on the second wednesday of each month and so I'm going to give you the phone number because you might have questions. The number is 516-387-1944. So what are we starting with today, Dr. Tillman?
3: Well, first of all, I'm excited to be with you, and I'm excited that this will be something that we'll be doing on a routine basis and look forward to that. And I think today, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I think today it'd be nice to get started with a very basic and common medical problem, not only in the U.S., but worldwide, and that is obesity. And yeah. I know the last time we talked, it was in February, and we talked about heart. It was during heart month, and a lot of right. what we talked about was heart disease and some of the risk factors associated with heart disease. And obesity has underpinnings to almost all of those. And uh, I thought we'd sort of go in today and just really detail some of the things associated with diabetes, the way it can be managed effectively, and also um, some of the new medications that have been approved for diabetes—excuse for, me, for obesity—and uh, it's been in the news a lot. You see it uh, in the news, you see it on the internet, and it's because some of these newer medications have become extremely popular. They're medications that uh, a lot of people are using in Hollywood, and you know a lot of influencers are using them, and so it's something that normally you would. See mostly in medical circles, but now it 's just in the general sphere, and everybody 's talking about it and it 's gotten to the point where so many people are using these medications at the patient that need them, for example, for diabetes they 're not even available anymore because they 're getting overused for weight loss not i shouldn't say overused but used very frequently for weight loss, and they never intended the drugs to be or never thought the drugs would become that popular because they were never invented for weight loss but turns out they are very good for that indication. So that's something else we'll talk about today as well. But in general, I you know just want to start with uh, talking about obesity and sort of we'll talk about some of the uh, epidemiology or prevalence of diabetes in our population, and uh, we'll talk about um, some of the things that you can do to manage obesity and some of the things that uh, make it so difficult to manage and difficult to lose weight and keep it up.
2: So, so before we go forward, let me ask a question yes. about something that you said. That a lot of these medications, and I've seen that too, and either, even my husband and I, um, he's taking diabetes medication right now. I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. my best and not to not go there, mm-hmm. but um, we, you know, you have medications that are prescribed for other things that people are now using for weight loss. Is there mm-hmm. not some sort of regulation that? the medication this medication is designed for this and should only be used for this or uh why, why is there such i guess flexibility in the ability for people to get medications that were designed for one purpose but are now uh
3: commandeered for something else well that's an excellent question and the answer is yes and no um if you think back to the COVID epidemic hydroxychloroquine was in the news very heavily And particularly early on, people thought that may have been some cure or panacea to the virus. And um, hydroxychloroquine is a medication that's used for a lot of patients with autoimmune or inflammatory disorders. And and those patients depend on that medication. And so there's a certain supply that drug makers make because they sort of know how many patients need that medication and they don't want a lot of excess inventory sitting around that may expire. And so all of a sudden, COVID comes along, hydroxychloroquine gets in the news, everybody starts taking it, and all of a sudden the patients that need the medication that have been on it for years to maintain their chronic conditions, all of a sudden the supply is too low and they can't get it. And so that's often what happens in these scenarios. Hydroxychloroquine was never intended for COVID use, but you can use those medications off-label. And so if a physician writes an order for a patient to have hydroxychloroquine, Even if it's used for a different condition, as long as a physician approves it, it's called off-label use, and that's okay, even though the FDA hasn't approved it for that indication. And so that's something that happens quite a lot. But it's also, you know, part of the reason why medications that we use for one indication, you find out it works for another indication, physicians may start to use it for that indication, and then the FDA may then study it for that indication, and it may get approved secondarily. And so that's been the case with a lot of medications over the years where it started with one issue, one for one indication, take, for example, most of the medications you use now for enlarged prostate. They were originally blood pressure medications. They weren't great for blood pressure, but then we found out that, Hey, it works for enlarged prostate. And so then doctors started using for that and then it became approved for that. And now they're only used for prostate because they weren't great at blood pressure in the first place. So sometimes it's serendipitous discovery and, um, it you know, giving doctors that freedom allows you to sort of get experience using medications for different indications. And that does sometimes become a problem. It can be, be a problem if there's a limited amount of a medication or medications are difficult to produce. And also if something becomes just like extremely popular, like these medications have, and that's sort of where we are right now with these weight loss medications. Okay. Does that all I'm going to, yeah, <laughs> it does.
2: <laughs> I'm going to hijack the conversation again before you go forward and ask because this, you know, we are coming up on Mother's Day weekend. And a lot Mm -hmm. of women, especially African-American women, struggle with obesity. And it's common knowledge that women have a harder time than men losing weight. Why Mm -hmm. is that? And so – and if you have a household, let's say, with a man and a woman struggling to lose weight – how do you, I guess, I guess merge uh, lifestyle and diet habits uh, so that they benefit the both of them? Because it seems like, you know, well, one person is going to be better at, let's say, gaining muscle or whatever, and another, another mm-hmm. person may be better at something else in order to reduce mm-hmm. the weight. So can you talk about the struggle with women in, in obesity?
3: Yeah, sure. So I think... Well, let's talk about obesity just in general for a second, and uh, I'm sure everybody hears all the time that obesity is an epidemic, and it's increasing in its prevalence not only in children but in adults, and it's been doing that for the last 15, 20 years, and that's been in the U.S. and worldwide, and that's for a number of different reasons, but um, if you look in the U.S. specifically, and um, you talk about percentage of um, adults in the U.S. that are overweight, it's 70%. And um, when you look at the actual obesity, which is defined by a body mass index of greater than 30, almost 40%, 35 to 40% of adults in the U.S. And if you look at African-Americans, that's a little bit higher. Um, And then if you look at men versus women African-Americans, women are a little bit higher. And so to get to your specific question, differences in men and women and uh, obesity and weight loss and so forth, well, there's two big differences between men and women and uh, weight loss, and it's, it's across um, all demographics. And one of the things is men tend to have more muscle mass. Muscle burns a lot more fat, so it tends to be easier for across the board for men to manage weight than women for that reason. And in addition to that, all of the hormonal effects that women will have, menopause, pregnancy, um, menstrual periods, all those things can also contribute to weight gain and difficulty with weight loss. And so that's one of the things, you know, that we we deal with there. The other thing is, is we have, uh, when we ta- when we would define obesity, you, mentioned, you heard me mention a few seconds ago, body mass index. And so most of the time, if I ask you, I ask you, what do you consider to be obese? You're going to referred to probably weight, right, or the way somebody looks. And that the general population, that's what they think of obesity. But medically, obesity is always defined by body mass index or BMI. And um, that's it's simply a calculation of weight and height, weight that takes height into uh, consideration. And it's a simple formula. Basically, it's your weight divided by your height squared, either in kilograms or pounds for the weight, and meters or feet for the height, and it gives you a number. And basically, that's every time you go to your doctor's office, you may not see it, but they'll put in your height and weight, computer will calculate your BMI, and that'll be a part of your medical record. And so whenever it comes to calculating or determining the true definition of obesity, medical obesity, what your insurance companies will use, what the uh, doctors will use, it's actually the BMI number, not your weight itself. The problem with that is it's indexed to height. And so it tends to penalize women more than it does men for that reason because women tend to be a little shorter than men. And so there's all these other things. So, you you know, you based purely on BMI, you may get more women classifying, slightly more women classifying to be obese as compared to men just for that reason as well. So the BMI is it's not a perfect measure, but it's, it's what we got and what we use at least for now to define obesity. And so when it comes to... You're asking how do you – if you have two people in the same household, men versus a man and a woman trying to lose weight, that actually is not an issue because the principles are the same. Weight loss is – on one hand, it's very simple. It's also an oversimplification. It's the amount of calories that you take in and the amount of calories that your body burns. And you want to be at a deficit, right? And so if you're at a deficit – at least on paper, you should lose weight. The problem is, number one, staying at that deficit and then dealing with all of the external factors and genetic factors that may make that difficult. So there's a reason why a lot of times people will lose weight, but then they gain it back. And it has to do with all those other factors that we can touch on as we go on. But I think to answer that question, that's that's one of the reasons why it can be difficult to lose weight and hold on to it, or hold on to the loss. But as far as men and women, the principles are the same as far as the baseline thing that you should always consider if you're trying to lose weight is behavioral modification. So what are the things that you can do behaviorally that can help you lose weight? Because a lot of times, it's almost like smoking. I have patients that want to quit smoking, and they typically associate smoking with certain patterns. So if they drink coffee, they smoke. They go to lunch with John. They smoke. If they go on vacation for a week, coffee, and they don't see John, they don't smoke for days. And they don't think about it. As soon as they get home and they have that coffee, they want to smoke. So it's associated. It's a learned behavior, it's a pattern. And eating can be the same thing. A lot of times you eat out of habit, not out of hunger. And you, you know, you try and find those patterns, those behavioral patterns, and you try and disrupt those things. And that is one of the one of the strategies that you can use at least for behavioral modification. Then you want to look at what you're actually eating, the type of food that you're eating. You want to look at your exercise habits. There are all these different types of medications that can make you gain weight. Sometimes there are genetic factors that can make you gain weight. And so when you really get into weight loss, on one hand, it's very simple as far as calories in, calories burned. But on the other hand, there are a lot of complex issues that you can sort of drill down and get very granular with to figure out what you can do for every individual to lose weight. So it has to be individualized, but the general concept is the same for everyone.
0: We're here with
2: Dr. Taiwan Tillman, and we are talking obesity right now. And But if you have questions on other medical issues, please feel free to call. The number is 516-387-1944. And when we come back, I want to talk about a couple of things. One is... Uh, The obvious question in terms of of exercise versus diet or exercise and diet. And then the other question is how weight loss is depicted on television Uh, and and if that is helpful or hurting um, when it comes to uh, weight loss. So this is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event, need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast, let us help. At Our Gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call Our Gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email OurGatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here with Dr. Taiwan Tillman, we're talking health issues, medical issues. It's Wellness Wednesday. If you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. So, (laughs) diet and exercise, diet versus exercise. Um, What plays, I guess, the bigger role, or how do they work
3: together? Well, they certainly work together. Now, if you're if you gonna ask me if you have to choose one, it's gonna be most effective, but ideally, you should do both. Um, there are patients, for example, that have mobility issues, that have trouble with exercise, but in general, diet and exercise, they're both very important parts of a healthy lifestyle, and maintaining a healthy weight. And the importance of, of exercise, it can't be understated. However, if you've ever been on a treadmill, use one of these machines that sort of gives you a rough estimate of how much, you know, how many calories you burn in walking for, you know, 30 minutes. You walk for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you're going to burn, you know, maybe a couple hundred calories at most. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you go and you you drink a, a recovery drink or anything after that, and you've already taken your 200 calories back in, right? Wow. Now imagine cutting your portions in half that you would normally eat in a day, and you may cut out 800 to 1,000 calories. And so diet is so much more effective and so much more important in weight loss than it is um, than is exercise. And if you think about it, we were talking about earlier, basically you're looking at the amount of, Calories that you bring in versus the amount of calories that you burn. Most of the calories that you burn on any given day is due to your body's basal metabolism rate. And that's basically the energy that your body burns to just function and stay alive, digesting food, your brain, your heart beating, breathing, all the metabolic functions that your body performs on a daily basis – that burns more energy than what basically what you're going to burn doing exercise unless you're doing really extreme exercise, which nobody does every single day. And so that basal metabolic rate is sort of genetic. That's what you're born with. So when you talk about people or when you see people that are skinny and they eat whatever they want to eat and live however they want to live, but they stay skinny, those are people that have, you talk about a high metabolism, that's what that is. Their basal metabolic rate is just genetically high and they burn a lot of energy sitting around doing nothing all day. And then there's other people that have a slower metabolic rate where they don't burn as much energy doing things or just sitting around on a daily basis. So the basal metabolic rate is lower, and it's more difficult for those people to lose and or maintain a healthy weight. And so that's why diet plays such an important role because most of the energy that your body burns is genetic, already pre-programmed. And you can you know, dabble in the margins of that with exercise unless you're doing really, really extreme exercise. But diet is extremely important. So you can lose weight with a healthy diet and not exercising, but it's very unlikely that you're, that you're going to lose weight and maintain it if you don't eat a healthy diet and you exercise even if you exercise like mad. If you're not eating right, it's not going to pay off. So there is no controversy of exercise versus diet. It's Mm -hmm. exercise and diet, but diet is going to be more impactful overall as compared to exercise.
2: So what I've come to, I guess, think is that exercise kind of helps maintain and maybe tone where Mm -hmm. the the nutrition plan is the one that actually helps do the weight loss, right? Right.
3: Right. So if you if you're starting up a plan to lose weight, um, there's a couple of things you want to do. Um, And the first, like I said, first and foremost is diet and diet plays into, I said, the underpinnings of a weight loss program is behavioral modification. And a big part of that is diet, you know, like I mentioned earlier. And um, and then the exercise has has several different roles. Number one. Um, It helps you build muscle mass. And like I said earlier, the more muscle mass that you have, the easier it is to maintain, not necessarily weight, um, because you're not always targeting weight, but it does help you decrease your fat levels because muscle burns a lot of energy. And so if you have someone that has 120 pounds of fat on their body versus 120 pounds of muscle, that muscle has a much higher metabolic rate, has a lot more blood flow, and uh requires a lot more energy to maintain itself than does 120 pounds of fat. So that person's basal metabolic rate is higher than someone that has the same weight of fat. So one way to increase your basal metabolic rate is to decrease your amount of fat and increase your um, percentage of body muscle and that will increase your basal metabolic rate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> got so many things i could say. Uh but
2: anyway, so ask away. I, okay. So for for me, um, cuz oh, mm-hmm. you talked about a lot of things, um and right now i'm i'm really really struggling. I'm at I'm at the worst weight that i've ever been at ever. Okay. Um and i know some of it has to do with diet and then some of it has to do you talked about hormones. I have a thyroid issue. Um yes. i now Normally, (laughs) because you also talked about, um, oh goodness gracious, you talked about genetics and stuff like that. When I was younger, I was really thin. When I went to college, I was 95 pounds. Really? I was, yes, really. And people would ask my parents, does she eat? She eats (laughs) like a horse. Okay. Uh, You know. And then when I got to college I did start to pick up a little bit of weight cuz I was, you know, eating the some not a lot of the cafeteria food. But you know, I was snacking, mm-hmm. you know, nobody was watching. Mm-hmm. I was eating the french fries and the M&Ms and, and the ice cream and all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Um, and my mom used to say, "Okay, just 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 turn 30." Um <laughs> is <laughs> Turn thirty, and I'm like, yeah. You know, turn thirty, I, you know, I had gained a little weight, but I was, I was still okay. I was like, see, I, you know. And then that all went away. So, um, I one of one of my struggles, I, I had lost weight at one point in time where I had lost about forty pounds, and I was like, great, and I was doing so well, and I thought it was because I was doing my five minutes of exercise every day and, <laughs> and doing mm-hmm. doing some other things. And then I found out I was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. Okay. So that explained probably the rapidness of the weight loss and everything. And once I got on medication, it started creeping back up. Um, mm-hmm. And then now I'm at a point, you know, there's, you know, uh, probably better than I do the, about the three different level thyroid levels that they check, uh, the T3, right. T4, and TSH. Apparently... Now, I, I, my body, it I think especially since COVID, because I had COVID around the holidays, Christmas holidays, mm-hmm. it doesn't know what to do with itself. Because two of the levels are one end of the spectrum and one is at the other end of the spectrum. So when you're dealing with issues like hormones and then you're dealing with medication, how do you devise a game plan? How do you, you know, you know, how, what do you, what do you do at that point? You know, I mean, because some of it you can manage, but some of it is beyond your control.
3: Right. Well, I think when you're speaking of a specific disorder like thyroid disorder, that can be very difficult to manage because there's some patients that will present with hyperthyroidism. You treat them, and then they develop hypothyroidism and you know everything just fluctuating everything is a moving target and until you get that all regulated um, it can be it can be quite difficult to manage Um, I think uh, with regards to a patient in that situation just make sure number one that your doctor is doing what they're supposed to do with your thyroid Typically, if it's that difficult to manage, you should be seeing an endocrinologist, not just your permanent care doctor letting them manage it. And that happens a lot where, you know, someone develops a thyroid disorder or some other disorder in general, and the primary care physician starts to manage it, but then it can become a complex problem that sh- probably should be referred out, and they don't always do that. And so, for example, in your situation, if you're not seeing an endocrinologist that specializes in thyroid disorders, then that's certainly something I would consider. Once the thyroid is regulated, then, you know, you shouldn't be any more difficult to manage than anybody else as far as weight control. But the other thing is also to let your doctor know or discuss your weight loss goals with your physician because there may be things that your physician is doing or not doing or not paying attention to that could contribute to difficulty losing weight. And um, that's also – or they may have other options to help you with your weight loss goals – and so that's always something as well. It's, it's Physicians sometimes can get tunnel vision. And so if the problem that you're coming in for is a thyroid issue, they may not be looking at the whole picture all the time unless you prompt them to do that. And uh, sometimes patients are somewhat intimidated when they go to their physician's office or don't want to ask too many questions. And I don't think that's a proper approach for patients. Although some doctors will gristle if you ask them too many questions, or they'll feel like they're being challenged, but it's a customer service approach really, and your goal is to treat your patient's problems and make sure that they're satisfied. And so, in that situation, you have to ask. Sometimes you have to ask the questions if there are other things that you need help with, or that you're concerned about your that your doctor isn't addressing. And um, you know that sometimes goes a long ways towards you know treating a problem like hyper or hypothyroidism that can have so many other associated clinical um, side effects, weight gain, particularly with hypothyroidism being one of the biggest and most noticeable. Mm -hmm.
2: I am so glad. (laughs) I can't tell you. Okay. You all heard it. There is a doctor that we have on highly respected doctor that is telling you that you can ask questions. Okay. And I'm pointing that out because you're right. There's a lot of people that are afraid to ask questions or maybe don't think about it. You know, and my husband is one of those people that, you know, when he goes and I'm like, did you ask this? No. Did you ask that? No. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know. And so it's like, it's almost like now, okay, if you've got questions, text them to me so I can ask them or whatever. Because I don't know if, if it's that he doesn't think about the questions or if he's just reluctant to ask. And let me I tell have you, it's
3: men. It's men. Mm-hmm. I can't okay. tell you how many men I see that'll come in with a list of questions. My wife brought the, you know, wrote these for me. I need to ask you these questions or she's gonna tell me <laughs> when I get home if I don't have answers. Or the wife will come with him and I'll you know, I always try and ask the patient and let them answer first. I'll ask them questions and he's you know, saying no or he's you know minimizing the wife's over sitting behind him shaking her head and then you know she chimes in i'm like she's going to tell on you You better tell the truth it happens (laughs) all the time and i think okay men tend to minimize their symptoms that they want you know they want to ignore things and the women are less so like that so yeah yeah that's a very interesting dynamic and trust me it's not just your husband
2: (laughs) i went with him recently and and um you know, I, 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 it was a rare occasion, but it was kind of a, a had to go type of thing with him because mm-hmm. he, he couldn't transport his, himself. He twisted his knee, um, mm-hmm. and so I'm sitting there, and the doctor's saying X, Y, and Z, and I, you know, I kind of get the side eye, and I just, you know, I'm just looking down because I'm like, I I, I, I know I don't have a medical degree, but I have set all of this before repeatedly but you know i'm glad to get some validation (laughs) (laughs) uh, but the other thing too is i've said and you can correct me if i'm wrong that if you aren't comfortable with what the doctor is saying that maybe you should either get a second opinion or just find a different doctor completely am i wrong with that
3: no that is very true and i mean you don't want you know, you don't want to be you don't want to doctor shop just to find somebody that agrees with what you say, because right. eventually you will find somebody that agrees with what you say, or they'll just say, you know what, this patient's problematic. I'm just going to say whatever just to you know get them out of my office today. But mm. on the other hand, it, and I, I tell my patients all the time because sometimes patients will ask me as a specialist, do I have a primary care physician that I think they should see? And once you get to know certain doctors certain doctors practice certain ways, and certain patients want a certain kind of position. There are some patients, and they're usually older, that want to go to the doctor, and they just want the doctor, you tell me to do X, Y, Z, and I will do X, Y, Z. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm not going to, you know, challenge you. I just want you to tell me what to do, and I'll do whatever. No questions asked. And then you have other patients that want to do their own research. They want to bring in questions. They want to, you know, go have a back and forth, a discussion with the doctor about what we're doing, and why we're doing it, and what's our plan, and a lot of detail and a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of, lot more discussion. And those tend to be younger people. And by the same token, older doctors tend to be, you know, more the old school. Where I'm the doctor, you're going to do what I say. If not, we're going to have a problem. And then younger doctors are more willing to discuss things and have a back and forth with the patient. And for every patient, it's best if you find a doctor that fits your personality. And so I told mm-hmm. I you know I ask patients if so they ask me that question. I ask them, "What are you looking for? What kind of doctor are you looking for?" When they tell me, I'll say, "Well, these are the doctors that you know that manage patients this way, and then these are the doctors that manage patients that way, and you can choose which one you want depending on what style of interaction you want with your physician." And I think I think that's important that you know not everybody fits with everybody for a lot of different reasons.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the one thing that you want to have is that if you have a competent doctor, you want to have somebody that the patient is going to be receptive to listening to so that they'll follow what that competent doctor is saying. Yeah, Absolutely. We're going to take another break. We are here with Dr. Taiwan Tillman on Wellness Wednesday here on G's Power Hour I've Never Had It So Good Entertainment. And if you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Yeah. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at AndersonandWelch.com. That was Anderson and Welch, Kevin Anderson, who actually introduced me to Dr. Taiwan Tillman, who's on G's Power Hour today. Good afternoon. Welcome back. And the number is 516-387-1944. We are talking... Medical news, health news on Wellness Wednesday, and, and right now we're talking obesity. So, my question is, what is a what is a, I guess a, a plan in terms of weight loss that is going to be, I guess, the most productive and the least frustrating? When I talk, when I what I mean is, are you supposed to be tracking your weight? on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, what makes the most sense in determining
3: that you are on the right track? I think um, there's an obsession with weight that probably is not necessarily, should necessarily be the goal, right? Because there are lots of people that are thin, that are inactive, medical problems that are unhealthy. There are a lot of people that are a little overweight that eat healthy, exercise routinely, and they are much healthier and at much lower risk for medical complications than a thin, sedentary, inactive person. And so weight should not necessarily be the goal. But when you talk to people about obesity and body image, the first thing that people think of is weight. And when you ask them about their weight and why they want to lose weight, the first thing they think of is, "I want to look better. It's not necessarily for health issues for most people. Most people are managing weight because they want to look better, but it doesn't really matter why because you know you still get the benefits of of that weight loss and um I'm sorry, what was the question that you asked specifically?
2: you know if you are trying if you are trying to okay let's just put it let's just say get healthy." And let's say okay. weight loss is part of that. How what should how should you monitor that? Especially if, if okay. the weight loss thing is, component is involved,
3: is it what is it should you be daily oh, monitoring you're asking, your weight? You're weekly are you should monitor. Well, certainly not daily weight yes. monitoring because daily weight monitoring tends to it tends to yeah. discourage people because. You know, people go to the gym for one week and then they say my weight is the same as it was a week ago. What am I doing? I'm wasting my time. And they get discouraged and then they start going fewer times a week and all of a sudden, a month later, they're not going at all. And that's what happens a lot of the time at the beginning of the year when people set these really aggressive goals for weight loss and before you know it, boom, they quit. And so you don't need to track your weight on a daily basis. I would say – as infrequently as once a month is perfectly fine because things change slowly. So if you're on a journey and you have a plan for weight loss, the most effective way to lose weight and keep it off is, number one, to do it slowly. And uh, the way you do it slowly is you make all of these lifestyle changes that we talked about. Um, the detail changes with your diet. The detail changes with your behavior that helps modify your diet. Um, changing what you eat, change the way you shop, change, you know, what your snacks are and that decreases the amount of calories that you're bringing in. And then in addition to that, you change your activity habits, you increase your exercise. And so those are wholesale lifestyle changes that you're going to make, but they're not drastic lifestyle changes where you're doing, you know, some type of diet, like a keto diet for, you know, three months where you lose all this weight and then you have to stop the diet and you gain the weight back. You know, you're making gradual, uh, gradual changes, gradual lifestyle changes that something five years from now, you're still going to be living that same weight. And that's how you transition from the yo-yoing of weight gain, weight loss, weight gain, weight loss, to gradual weight loss and then maintenance of that target weight. So you have to make these lifestyle changes that you know you can maintain. And that means you're probably going to be losing three to five pounds a month. And that's at the very beginning when you're doing the most aggressive weight loss. So if you're targeting three to five pounds a month means, you know, in a year, you may lose 30 pounds. You may lose 40 or 50 pounds. But that's a good target, right? I mean, that's not yeah. inconsequential. And you do that because no. it's just something that you're doing for a long period of time. Guess what? In two years, you're down 80 pounds. And that's a good target. And you're not doing the yo-yo thing. You're being consistent because it's something that where you change your life, and this is a new lifestyle for you, and it's easy for you to adhere to rather than something really strict that your body's going to rebound from. Because when you start losing weight, your body, your brain has what it thinks should be your baseline weight. You can slowly change it over time, but your body has what it thinks should be your set point, what your weight should be. And when you lose weight rapidly, your body, your brain is going to say, hey, something's wrong here, and it's going to rebel, and it's going to try and get you back to that weight that you were at before. And so that's why when people lose weight rapidly, they gain it back even quicker and tend to gain sometimes even more weight because the brain's saying, mm-hmm. hey, we got to go back to where we were before. And then they start binging and eating all the things that they were missing, that they were craving. All of a sudden, they – do even worse until so you end up gaining more weight than you lost in the first place. And so that's the important part. You're gradual with wholesale lifestyle changes. And I think the one thing to anyone listening to this that I, the one point that I really want to drive home is when I say behavioral modification, it includes all of the little things that you do with your diet and your activity that changes your life that's going to completely change your lifestyle. These aren't temporary changes; these are permanent changes. Things that you can do permanently to change completely change and live a healthier lifestyle overall.
2: Well, then also too, the you know you're a cardiologist, so I know this is important to you because um, dropping the weight drops the, uh, uh, I guess the uh,
3: effects on your heart. Correct.
0: Yes. Yes.
3: Yes, and so, like I said last time when we we, um, had the discussion during Heart Month, all of the Mm -hmm. big cardiovascular risk factors really except for smoking um, has a lot to do with obesity. You talk about hypertension. You talk about high cholesterol. You talk about diabetes. You're talking about sedentary lifestyle due to muscle and joint problems that are associated with um, obesity. Obesity increases the risk of all of those cardiovascular risk factors and thereby Obesity increased the risk of heart attack and stroke, and all the other cardiovascular disorders. And so, it does play it plays a huge role. But there's also obesity has plays a strong role in cancers. There are a lot of cancers that are associated with diabetes or increased mm-hmm. um, due to a di- a, this. I said diabetes, obesity, and um, that's because obesity is associ- associated with a chronic inflammatory state your fat cells, if you have a lot of fat cells, excess adiposity or excess fat cells basically releases inflammatory factors into your system just constantly and it causes an increased inflammatory state, which increases the risk for lots of different types of cancer, increases the risk for lots of different types of autoimmune disorders. And so obesity is associated with not just cardiovascular risk increased cardiovascular risk, but also Increased risk of malignancy. Mm, okay,
0: I
2: want to also get back to. Um, I was going to ask you about what we see on television. Um, you know, the visual impact on mm-hmm. you know weight loss and. and you know, I mean, it seems like we've gone though from, I guess, one extreme to the other, where we say, okay, you, you know, you really, you really, really need to be almost pencil thin in order to be healthy. Okay, we understand that that's no good, but so right. we we don't we've gotten away from having a lot of really really thin people uh, in all of the TV ads and in all of the print magazines, and we've gone to embracing, uh, I guess, plus size or Real size women, you know, in, in a mm-hmm. variety of their their shapes and sizes, right? But I, I guess one of the things that I worry about in embracing, you know, everybody, which we should.
0: Mm-hmm. How does
2: that affect the the effort to to lose weight and, and to you know to be healthier? because you have people that say now oh well hey the, the pressure's off i don't have to be pencil thin i can be accepted as i am in in, in all of my uh 200 300 plus pound glory um that's that's not good either so right. how do we you know so there's there's you know there's the head games with with you know with all of that going on out there how right. do we separate ourselves from that and and say okay, I am me. This is my journey. You know, no matter what I see there or hear there. You know, this is me. How how do I get? I guess, uh, into saying that no matter what they say, what other no matter what pills they're advertising as they're dancing around the screen, uh,
3: for weight loss. How do I say this is the plan for me? Well. Certainly, it's a it's a balancing act, right? And it's also the the answer to that question is an interesting dichotomy. But I think that you know you have you want to, you have people that are overweight and they want to be body positive, particularly if they're celebrities. And when we say media, yeah, we're talking about TV. There's still print magazines, but now a large part of that is social media, and you have influencers. Um, You have some influencers that are really thin, some influencers, you have some influencers that are not necessarily healthy, but they put out these healthy images by, you know, Photoshopping their photos and giving these, you know, ideal body images to all of these kids that aren't even realistic or even attainable. And that creates a whole different problem that has to do with obesity and body image problems and uh, health overall. So let's try and tackle it um, one by one. Let's start with the obesity paradox where you try and tell people that it's okay to be obese and it's okay to be, I mean, you try and tell people that it's okay to be obese and it's not a problem. We know that it causes a lot of health problems. So you have somebody on TV that's 350 pounds saying, I'm proud of my body and um, you know I don't care what anybody else says. And that's fine. That person, they're okay with their body and they're happy with themselves and that's what you want them to be. You don't want them to have self-image problems because other people are talking about them or putting them down because of their obesity or they're attacking them because of their obesity. But at the same time, I think that should be accompanied by a message of, I'm happy with my body, I know it's not healthy, and I do X, Y, and Z to maintain my health. I exercise, I eat healthy, and I try to maintain a healthy lifestyle, and this is me, and this is who I am, and this is who I'm going to be. It can't be just, you know, I'm overweight, and it's fine if you're overweight, and just stay that way and don't care what anyone else says, because it's not healthy. We know that it's associated, like I said, with heart disease and cancer, and, you know, all these other medical problems, joint pains, joint replacements, inactivity, that in the long term will shorten your life because people that are massively overweight, they don't live as long. They don't have lives that are as productive. And so it, it is a problem. And depending like it isn't is is not the right approach. And so I think we have, as you mentioned, gone down that um, path a little, and we need to come back from that or at least temper that with additional information Where you can say that you can be body positive, but you can also be realistic about what body positivity means. Body positivity is the way you feel about yourself, but it doesn't mean that you have to be – that you have to settle for that. So you can be happy with your current job. It doesn't mean that you don't have aspirations for a better job or for a better career. It's just I'm happy with where I am now, but how anybody feels. you know. And so I don't think it's wrong – to, for people overweight people to voice that either because you see a lot of those people that are overweight and they're saying they're happy with their with their body positive where are they a year down the road they've lost seventy five hundred pounds and then the people that they were telling that they were okay to be overweight they're mad at them and they're giving them mean mean tweets on social media because you left us. now you've lost weight I thought it was okay and that's happened with several different celebrities that I won't name but that's what they were thinking. They were saying it's okay, but they also were thinking to themselves, I can do better, and my goal is to lose weight and be healthier. Now, when it okay. comes to oh, – you have a comment yeah, about no, that? go
2: ahead. Go ahead. Okay. When it comes to – And
3: when it comes to the other side of the spectrum where you're talking about the people on social media and the people that are putting out these false body images where they're – doctoring and photoshopping pictures and they're putting that out as normal and healthy and attainable and sustainable when it really isn't um problem as well because if you look at you know I watch tv and you know I read magazines or I don't look at a lot of social media but if you look at younger people Their primary interaction, even if they watch TV, a lot of times they're watching TV shows, streaming TV shows on their phones or on computers, and they're getting social media ads while they're doing that or they're on social media hours at a time rather than watching TV. And so they're exposed to sort of something a little different. And most of those people that are on social media, they're on there to generate income as influencers, and so they have to generate or they have to portray an image which is very often not realistic and very often false and photoshopped. Mm. And – that there is in addition to being an obesity epidemic there's an epidemic of mental health problems particularly depression and body image issues in young adults and um, one of the problems with that is depression plays a very large role in obesity for several reasons number one almost all the drugs that are used to treat depression in kids and adults increases obesity and makes it more difficult to lose and maintain weight. Um, Depression um, very often is associated with overeating. It's very often associated with lack of activity and lack of energy. Things also play into obesity. So, you know, you have kids that are on social media all day. They're seeing this unattainable figure that they can't achieve. They are down about it. They have bad self-image about it. And uh, they get depressed, and then for all those reasons, it makes it that much worse that they start to gain weight. And so that's a a societal issue that um, I think we're – I mean, Congress right now is trying to address social media in lots of different ways, including age limits for social media, and uh, also addressing certain types of social media content and also TikTok altogether – and I think addressing those things, particularly for kids, will help make a big difference because those kids will grow up to become obese adults if they're not intervened on earlier.
2: We blew past a break, but we're going to take a quick one. We are here with Dr. Taiwan Tillman. He's a cardiologist, and he's joining us on the second Wednesday of each month. This is Wellness Wednesday on G's Power Hour. Uh, when we come back, if you have some questions, the number is 516-387-1944. Gee's Power Hour on Never Had It so good entertainment we'll be right back
1: this is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service we have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services honoring all religions and faith we have been here for many grieving families whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple, dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway. Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service,
3: 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families.
1: Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the argument. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's Chill Out Jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on KHAM Radio.
0: Are you chillin'?
2: Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here with Dr. Taiwan Tillman on Wellness Wednesday. And if you have quick questions, the number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. But I don't know if we're going to have time because I got some of my own. Uh, and then real quick, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm going to ask about some other things. Uh, if you had one key thing that you that would be the takeaway for people to focus on if they are having this issue with obesity what would it be
3: Um, one key thing seek medical help if you're having real problems with losing weight or particularly if you have if you're overweight and you have associated medical problems high blood pressure high cholesterol diabetes sleep apnea or joint problems seek help from your doctor because there are a lot of things your doctor can do to help you lose weight and maintain that weight loss including some of the several prescription medications that if you want, I can go over them really quickly. Sure. Would you like that? Okay. So really quickly, um, there are several different classes of prescription medications. Um, Some that have been around for a long time, but then the newest ones of which there's really only one that's definitely approved for weight loss. But just in in classes, the ones that we all know about are stimulants. So if you've ever taken any of the -the over-the-counter weight loss medications, you probably know that sometimes it makes you feel jittery. Sometimes it'll make you have palpitations. That's because they're stimulants. The most common one on the market that's been FDA-approved for weight loss is called Phentermine, and it also comes in a combination with another medication called the Pyramid or with the – I think the brand name is Kissimia. But that's a medication that's FDA-approved for weight loss that is a stimulant, and um, it actually is quite effective. Um, Some of the other medications, one that's been around (laughs) for a while, was uh, Xenical or Orlistat. That was the medication that helps – reduces the amount of fat that your body can absorb and so if you eat lots of fat you take the Zenical and it makes it go straight through your body the most important thing with that medication is if you're going to take it you have to decrease the amount of fat that you're eating if you don't you're going to have a really bad day because you're going to have lots of what they call in the commercial seepage and you don't want that mm. So that's venical or So that basically decreases absorption. Obviously, the fat that you're eating goes straight through, and the calories go with it. And um, there's several other medications that work centrally. In other words, they decrease your brain's – basically, your brain suppresses your appetite so that you don't want to eat as much. Phentermine does have that effect, but the ones that are really strong, um, there's a medication called Contrave. An important thing about these medications is you can take them long-term. You can stay on them. So Contrave was one that's been out for a few years. That decreases appetite. And you heard me mention earlier the new medications that are really effective that everybody's taking. Um, there is one called Ozempic. Ozempic was the diabetes medication, and it's a once-a-week mm-hmm. injection. And it was approved for diabetes. When they studied it for diabetes to get the approval for diabetes, they found out these patients are losing 15 to 18% of their body weight without changing anything else, not exercising, not doing anything else. And so it got on the market for diabetes, and then they looked at the data for weight loss, and the FDA approved it as a weight loss medication. Whenever they have a medication that has one indication and they approve it for another, they get a second Mm -hmm. name. So the weight loss name is called um, Wigovi. The generic name is semaglutide. So both Wigovi and Ozempic are the same medication, semaglutide, but Wigovi is is for an indication for Weight loss, and so if you're writing a prescription for patients, if they don't they have diabetes and you want insurance to cover it, you have to write um, Wegovy instead of Ozempic. But mm. in order for insurance to cover it, I think the threshold for the BMI is 27 for the uh, for these weight loss medications. And the reason that they're so effective is because they do decrease uh, it decreases it decreases your appetite, and it does so without a lot of side effects and it's something that you can take for really long periods of time, and it is very effective. Um, I put patients on it, and, you know, by and large, they come back. In two, three months, they've lost 15, 20, 30 pounds. If they exercise and they're really aggressive with lifestyle changes as well, um, yeah, 30 pounds in a few months is easy. And because you stay on the medication, you maintain that weight loss. It can also be combined with other medications, like the phentermine that we talked about, um, and some of the other medications as well. And uh, a lot of patients that are diabetic, obviously, they, um, they're they obese. And so it's a, you can kill two birds with one stone in that scenario. And it can also be used with some of the other diabetes medications as well. And so there is a pretty um, big armamentarium that doctors have, if, at least if it's something that they're educated on that they can prescribe and really make a big difference in helping patients lose weight. And that's one of the things, you know, you asked about, one of the things mm-hmm. that And that's one of the reasons why I said right. go visit the doctor and discuss your weight loss with your doctor because they can sometimes put you on a pathway to help and also look at some of the other medications that you may be on that they may be able to get rid of and also if there are underlying undiagnosed medical conditions that may be contributing, they'll look into those as well.
2: Dr. Tillman, thank you. No questions, obviously. You've got to save them for next month, but we appreciate you being with us and you have a blessed day. And thank, thank you for all having for being me. with
3: us. Have a us.
2: blessed day as well. Thanks. And thanks for being with us. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed. The warrior princess, Attorney Nadine Brown, is going to be on tomorrow. Please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.
0: go
1: for Up your mouth. Come on. You gotta say something. the trouble hey Where my old school at Where my old school at if you 37 and above you old school just keep that baseline going hey!